0: Good evening, it is 5pm and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's news collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, and Jesse Bell. Today in YGK is also brought to you through the support of the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. KFLNA Community Partners announces what you don't see: the person anti-stigma campaign. The KFLNA Community Drug Strategy Advisory Committee and Trellis HIV and Community Care are launching an anti-stigma campaign to increase awareness of substance use stigma and the negative impact it has on people's lives. The campaign aims to humanize people who use substances and promote understanding and compassion around how trauma lies at the root of addiction. While developing a community response to the drug poisoning crisis, KFLNA Community partners identified a clear need to reduce the stigma around substance use. Stigma makes it harder to break the cycle of substance use, discourages people from seeking care, and prevents them from being seen as they truly are, a fellow human in need of support. Stigma against people who use substances only makes a scary situation worse, says Candace Christmas, project engagement manager at the Support Not Stigma initiative run by Trellis HIV and Community Care. It's so pervasive in our community and our systems and it needs to be addressed because people are afraid to get the help they need. The campaign features seven stories from people with lived experience with substance use and stigma, including mothers, a chemical engineer, frontline workers, people experiencing homelessness, and other members of our community. The stories will be displayed throughout the city, on social media, and at supportnotstigma.ca. Substance use isn't a moral failing, added Susan Stewart, CDSAC Chair and Director of Community Wellbeing at KFLNA Public Health. We hope that people see a part of themselves in these stories so that people can learn to be kind to members of their community who are experiencing challenges. Find out what you can do to make Kingston a kinder place for People impacted by substance use. Visit supportnonstigma.ca. The city of Kingston, county of Frontenac, South Frontenac, Frontenac Islands, Central Frontenac, and North Frontenac have all declared September 1st, October 15th, Open Farm Days 2023. While the event has previously been only a single weekend where folks can visit local farms and other local agribusinesses for tours and activities, this year it has been extended to last six weeks. To chat about the event and how they're ramping things up this year, I sat down with Debbie Miller with Frontenac County. Here's what she had to say for (laughs) folks. unfamiliar with open farms who have never heard of it before, maybe. Does this event have a long history or is this a newer
1: initiative? Yeah, thanks. That's a really great question. This is the sixth year for open farms. Um, It started and the first year it was um, inviting people into farms just to talk about, you know, farming, different types of farming, raising awareness for food and local agriculture, and really trying to connect people with producers um each year as as we've seen things happen and change during covid um, the event has, has changed slightly so the second year it was it was a very very busy year there was a lot of people out to farm so that was a great success the following year again moving into covid it moved online so the the entire event was online sessions and then the next the second year of covid it became a hybrid so there was some online some in person Last year we moved back to in person, and uh, this year we're back in person again, but slightly changing. Previous years it's been a one weekend event, focused mm-hmm. around um, one weekend early in September. Um, this year, when we talked to the farms, it was really important to understand sort of just capturing all farms and and just getting input from everybody. And there was there were some farms that the timing of the event previously didn't necessarily work for their harvest um, because as we know not everything harvests at the same time so um, apples are an example Um, they harvest later in September so that was one that um, it's great to have apple orchards involved Um, so just making sure that the the timing allowed for that but there's also a lot of other things happening too with plowing matches and things like that so just making sure that there's there's availability um across the different uh, locations so so it just allowed more people to be involved um Brunette county and the townships and the city of kingston all proclaimed open farm days this year so it's a six-week time frame from september 1st to october 15th that the uh, the dates were proclaimed and um really trying to highlight and and draw attention to the importance of agriculture in our region.
0: Yeah, oh that's so awesome that you guys got to go from one weekend to 6 weeks. How are you mm-hmm. taking advantage of this bigger time frame?
1: Yeah, so what we've done this year is we've put everything into a standalone website openfarms.ca. And all of the events taking place are listed on that website. So you can go in, um, all of the events are listed by date, but you can search by the type of experience or the location. So there's a list of the 17 locations that are listed on the site. um, And you can see the different types of experiences that are there. There's different experiences from culinary farming experiences, There's, there's educational experiences, community events and farmers markets. Um so they're all listed by category, and you can click in and choose um, the different type of event there. So um, you can get more information. And then you can also click through to purchase tickets or see if it's a drop-in event. So there's both options available on the site. So depending on the event that you're choosing, some are drop-in um, from a certain time frame, and then some are ticketed events where you'll have to register in advance to make sure that you've got your ticket and uh you're one of the lucky people able to go to that event.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Did you find that more farmers and producers were able to participate this year because of the larger
1: time frame? I, I would say yes. Last year mm-hmm. we had six different farms involved and this year there's 17 locations and wow. it includes a farmer's market. So last year the, the markets were also involved, but uh, this year there's 17 um, listed on here and they, there's some that have multiple dates for events
2: mm-hmm. and
1: multiple types of events, which is really great. So It's nice to see expanding that and it's nice to see that um, there's so many people involved in the celebration of farming and food in Frontenac and Kingston.
0: I was wondering if you could speak um, in general, just you have a little list of goals on your Open Farms website if folks want to learn more, but I was wondering if you could speak to the importance of shopping local and supporting small scale agriculture and also just the importance of making these connections between local consumers and producers in Kingston.
1: Absolutely. So, a really important part when uh, when Open Farms was first started was really setting goals for what that was going to be about. And unfortunately, I wasn't involved during that time. But I'm here now, and really happy that the goals have continued. And each year, we um, we connect back with the farms just to make sure they haven't changed. So, educating consumers okay. about small scale agriculture is such an important part of what um, the core goals are. But increasing the awareness of farming and the farm-to-table side where where people can get local product and, and learning more about farming practices within our community and within our region are so important. But also the opportunity for producers to connect directly with consumers. So um, so often, like in a, in a larger, in a larger location, um, you don't know where that's grown, but it's a really great opportunity to learn more about your food and learn more about practices and things like that. So really important parts as we, as we learn more about local food, um, but also increasing our region's um, reputation as a local food destination. Um, and really like from the farm to the table in the Kingston end of things, um, And driving opportunities for culinary and agritourism, product development. So again, continuing to to build on some of the the areas where there's product available and just what can be done with different types of products, which it's always interesting to see what chefs produce with some of the amazing products that are grown in our community. Um, And it's also also an opportunity. I know for myself, it's always wonderful when you can learn something new. Um, So going to a location to learn about what's happening on their farm and what you're seeing happening um, and raising awareness for that and the importance of local food, um, especially where we're at in the world today. I think during the last couple of years, people have really shown an inter- a great interest in local food, growing food and, and a lot of different different parts to that. So those are really, really important parts for sure.
0: Miller also provided a few examples of events running this year.
1: Uh, Maple Ridge Farms is offering, they've got a beekeeping experience where you can get suited up and you can go up close to a beehive. They also have a flower experience and a walk with a farmer experience. Um, There's a Kingston Area Seed System Initiative where you can go and you can learn about um, saving seeds and the the process involved around those, um, which is a a drop-in event. There's the various farmers markets. So there's the all the the different farmers markets around Kingston and Frontenac, and there's five in total. So there's lots around there. There's a Haymakers Coffee Roasting Tour where you can go and learn about uh, roasting coffee, and then you can enjoy a meal afterwards at the Mustard Station. It's a food truck, and the meal is focused on uh, Wolf Island from coming from the Wolf Island uh, recipe book from the Women's Institute. it's meals that they've focused on around harvest in previous years during harvest time sun harvest greenhouse is offering the you pick flowers and then you can also drop by their fall market Um, there's a farm to brewer tour Um, it's a hop yard experiential tour at the wolf island hop yard where you can go and see the hops being harvested but also learn about the different types of beer that the hops make the frontenac county plowing match is taking place and that's on sunday september 10th um and you can drop by and you can learn about what's happening out in the field um uh, there's also an educational component to that one where you can take the wagon ride and they'll be talking about what's happening out in the field but again a great drop-in event to to have there um there's lots happening low heritage orchard also you can drop out there walk the the orchard learn about the apples and you can also pick up various products. They've got different different things available for that. There's also a couple of different, there's a meet the farmer. And so you wanna grow your own food where you can come out and it's a it's a session um, happening in, in uh, sorry, South Frontenac. And you can come and meet farmers and talk about, they're gonna share knowledge that they've got about their farm and their type of farming. But then you also have an opportunity to ask questions, really casual environment. Um, but will be a really great opportunity to, to have lots of people asking questions and learning different things um, throughout that both of those sessions. So those are both free drop-in events.
0: Be sure to check out the events running until October 15th on the Open Farm Day's website,
1: openfarms.ca.
0: This is Christina Laurie coming in with your arts news. In arts news this week, additions to this year's Limestone City Blues Fest were well received. New additions to this year's Limestone City Blues Festival, which took place this past weekend, were well received according to the Downtown Kingston Business Improvement Area. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, confirms Jan McDonald, Artistic Director of the festival. We're really encouraged by the outcome. Having just wrapped its 26th edition, the long-running event has experienced a decrease in attendance post-pandemic. In an effort to breathe new life into the festival, the BIA incorporated a number of changes, including a licensed area, an artisan market, and a more musically diverse lineup. Along with the traditional inclusion of top-tier blues performers, the festival expanded on the range of genres showcased. Over 60 concerts took place over the four-day event, with two evenings of main stage performances in Springer Market Square, as well as fan-favorite shows in Confederation Park and live music venues throughout downtown. We loved seeing the t-shirts from past festivals come through the gates, but we were also really excited to meet lots of people discovering the festival for the first time, Best festival coordinator Sandy Griffiths. Looking ahead to next year, the BIA promised more changes. The Kingston School of Art is currently accepting submissions from artists for their 2023 juried exhibition. This year marks the sixth year of running the exhibition, which is one of the key fundraising events for the nonprofit arts center. Visual artists aged 18 and above from the city of Kingston, Loyalist Township, Wolf Island, and Frontenac Islands, as well as Frontenac, Leeds and Grenville, and Hastings Counties are invited to submit their work for the show which will take place in the Kingston School of Art Window Gallery on Princess Street. The event itself will include an exclusive members-only preview the day before the opening reception on October 7th, over $1,500 of prizes presented to artists in three categories, and more. I sat down with Maddie Andrews, Executive Director at the Kingston School of Art, to talk about this year's exhibition.
3: What kind of artists are eligible to submit, and what kinds of pieces are you looking for? Entry is open to residents ages 18 and above of the city of Kingston, Wolf Island, and the Frontenac Islands, and the counties of Frontenac, Lennox and Addington, Leeds and Grenville, and Hastings, so the surrounding area. Beyond that, though, it's very open. Um, both professional and emerging artists are invited to submit. In terms of what we're looking for, so participants may enter up to three artworks of their choosing. They must the original pieces in a two-dimensional medium and be ready to hang. There are more detailed instructions about specifics on our website, but beyond that, again, we're very open and excited to see how different people approach this submission process. I know you recently put out a call to artists, but you've been accepting pieces for a little while. What's been coming in? How's it been so far? So we actually find that most people submit during the final few days of the call, but so far we've been receiving mostly paintings in oils, acrylics, and watercolors, with a few examples of printmaking interspersed in there too. Is 65 the normal number of pieces that are selected? In short, yes. We can display a maximum of 65 artworks in our window art gallery. And in previous years, the number of pieces has hovered around that number, but ultimately it's at the discretion of the jurors. Also
0: this year, I know there's $1,500 in prizes. I believe that's the same as previous years or at
3: least last year. I was wondering if you could get into the categories a little bit. The amount is the same as the past two years. Prizes are formed through donations from our generous juried exhibition sponsors. We have, yes, over $1,500 in prizes to be awarded, including three juror awards, the first, second, and third, a People's Choice Award, where visitors are welcome to vote for their favorite piece throughout the duration of the exhibition, and it is awarded at the end of the show, and then nine honorable mentions. And so these will be decided by the jurors, and then the People's Choice Award by the public. Just to backtrack for a quick second, because you mentioned your sponsors there. I was wondering, has it been consistently the same few sponsors throughout the years? Are there some new ones this year? Yeah, so we have quite a few consistent sponsors who have generously supported the juried art show the past few years. Um, So it really would be impossible to run this um, fundraiser without their support, their local businesses and individuals. So a huge thank you is due to them. Um, The sponsors include the In Memory of Henny Marsh Fund, KPMG, Health for Life Medical Center, Mike Granage and Karen Charlton, Kingston Frameworks, Mark Peabody Custom Builder, Art Noise, and Cunningham Swan Lawyers. So folks can look forward to this on October 7th. How can folks enjoy the exhibition? Folks can stop by our window art gallery located at the intersection of Princess Street and Victoria Street throughout October to see the uh, the juried exhibition. We open on Saturday, the 7th of October officially and run until the 29th of October. All are welcome to attend our opening reception on Saturday, the 7th of October from 12 to 4 p.m with awards and remarks being given at 1 o'clock. And if folks want to become members, they are very welcome to then attend our members preview the evening before on the Friday.
0: Once again, that was Maddie Andrews with the Kingston School of Art chatting about this year's juried exhibition. Artists are welcome to submit their work until September tenth, 2023 and can find more information regarding submission guidelines on the Kingston School of Art website. That's all for your arts update this week, and next up is Jesse Bell with sports.
2: Good evening and happy Labor Day. This is Jesse Bell from the CFRC Sports Desk, and this is your sports report for Monday, September 4th, 2023. It was a big weekend for the Queens women's rugby team, which defeated Trent by a score of 102 to nothing. But more important than the victory was Lizzie Gibson becoming the Gales' all-time leading scorer for women's rugby. Congratulations Lizzie! it's been a great career and let's hope you continue to do amazing things in the 2023 season. The men's football team hopes to tally their first win of the 2023 season as they travel to Varsity Stadium in Toronto, Ontario to play the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. The game is set for Saturday, September 9th. Kickoff will be 3 p.m., but please tune in at 2.45 to catch the CFRC pregame show where your hosts Jordan Dax and Zayden Vergara will cover all things related to Gale's football, preview the action, and offer their insights on what to expect. In terms of my perspective, well, this Toronto Varsity Blues squad is a good, young, hungry team that is also looking to tally their first win of the season. Both teams started the year off with what could be described as a disappointing loss to an opponent they have and can beat, so both will be desperate to score that first victory on the season. Ultimately, I feel like Queens is the more talented of the two teams, and they should be able to pull out a victory by a score of 28 to 10. But that's the thing about football. It is not played on paper. The only way to find out what will transpire in the game is to either make the trip up to Toronto Or much easier than that, tune in to CFRC 101.9 FM if you're local or online at cfrc.ca to catch all the action. This concludes your sports report for Monday, September 4th. This is Jesse Bell signing off and wishing you a happy and safe Labor Day.
0: Thank you, Jessie. This is Christina Laurie coming in with your campus news. For returning Queen's students, the fall term has begun as of September 1st, and students are now in residence as of Saturday, September 2nd. While today students have no classes due to Labor Day tomorrow, fall term classes begin on September 5th. Also September 5th to the 10th for summer term students. It is the summer term deferred assessments period for the July to August 6th week and May to July 12 week sessions. The next upcoming deadlines you have to look out for as a Queen student are on the 18th. Firstly, on September 18th, students unable to register in fall term by the state must submit an academic petition to the office of the associate dean if the academic petition to register late is granted students must pay tuition fees in full with the exception of osap students september 18th is also the last day to add fall term and multi-term classes and the last day to drop fall term and multi-term classes without financial penalty for new incoming students to queens orientation week is already in full swing and there's more activities to come be sure to check out your fall orientation schedule at the fall orientation schedule hub at queensu.ca slash orientation slash schedules there you you can find the schedule for your specific faculty orientation. That's all for your campus news update today and next up is Dino with weather and traffic.
4: Thanks so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report tonight. We'll have clear skies and a low of 19 on Tuesday, sunny skies with a high of 31 and clear skies Tuesday night with a low of 18. And on Wednesday, we'll have a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 31 and cloudy periods with a 30% chance of showers and a low of 20 on Wednesday night. And now it's time for the City of Kingston traffic report right here on CFRC. Motorists, cyclists and pedestrians can expect alternating lane closures on the LaSalle Causeway on Tuesday, September 5th to Friday, September 8th from 9:30 a.m. to 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. During these periods one lane will be closed and another will remain open for alternating traffic with two flag persons on site to direct traffic. Motorists can also expect road closures on Curtis Crescent on the North Lake at Portsmouth, King Street, tragically hipway to Plast Arms. Lower Spur Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Queen Street westbound from King Street East to Ontario will be closed until September 8th from 7am to 6pm. Notch Hill Road from Queen Mary to Runnymede is closed until September 22nd. Queen Mary from Bath to Notch Hill also closed until September 22nd. Sydenham Street from Queen to Princess is closed until October 12th. University Avenue Union to Earl is closed until December and Wright crescent south intersection of palace to 16 palaces closed until halloween parking disruptions are still underway at the chown memorial parking lot as the uh, building goes through the maintenance and renewal and waterproofing upgrades process work is expected to conclude in late december parking is available at the Hanson memorial and robert bruce memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east Other road delays may be expected at Bath Road at Queen Mary, Bay Ridge Drive from Woodbine to Cat Woods, Duff Street from Patrick to the end of Duff, Highway 15 from Main to Highway 2, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Montreal Street at the CN Overpass, expect a lane closure September 5th through the 19th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. for a condition survey. Princess Street, Collins Bay to Bay Ridge, expect delays until Halloween, Other delays can also be expected at Sir John A. Macdonald Boulevard at Johnson, Taylor Kidd Boulevard from Collins Bay to 100 metres west of the Collins Creek Bridge and Westbrook Road from Princess to Windmere. And now moving over to the CFRC Concert and Events calendar on Tuesday, September 5th. Check out Tuesday afternoon at the RCHJ with Tom Savage and Friends, an open-to-mic jam starting at 4pm. At 8 o'clock, Taylor Simpson, Kixie, Bucks, Moonlight Revival, and Lauren Carson are also playing at the Mansion, $15 at the door, and doors open at 8. Megan Suds is also hosting a free karaoke evening at the Royal Tavern 2.0 starting at 7, and the Yellow House on Stewart Street is hosting a BIPOC and 2SL El- gbtq plus mixer on campus starting at 5 p.m. On September 6th, folks can head back to Wolf Island for another free open mic evening starting at 7 o'clock. And Pump 5 will also be playing lots of fun alternative music at the Overtime Sports Bar that evening starting around 9, $10 at the door. And then you can head over as well to uh, the Spearhead Brewery, which is hosting Scott and Kate of the band The Stairs on the 6th at 7 p.m. for a free show. On September 7th, you can check out Quentin Cofftree at the Bank Gastro Bar for free at 6 p.m. for the Courtyard Concert Series. You can also visit Blue Martini for the weekly Royal Jam hosted by Rough Mix and MC René Vermet, for free starting at 7 p.m. You can also head across the road to the RCHA to see Chris Murphy of Turpin's Trail starting at 7 p.m., $5 at the door. Hotel Wolf Island is also hosting a great instrumental jazz groove sound mix that evening with Clear Breeze for free starting at 6 p.m. On September the 8th, visit Blue Martini for covers and originals by Christopher Jackson and Friends, a free show starting at 8 p.m. And at the Broom Factory that evening, check out What's Next Tour featuring new friends, Colour Theory and Lauren Carson, $20 at the door, starting at 7.30. The Change is also playing some classic rock hits at the RCHA for $10 at 8 o'clock. And Tegan McLaren will play for free at Kirkpatrick's on September 8th, starting at 5 p.m. Also that evening, Mobius Trip. Red Compass Rose and John Hurst will play The Mansion for $7 starting at 8 p.m., while Sparrow Blue will play for free at The Merchant starting at 10, and Brian Flynn with Andrew Van Horn will be playing traditional and contemporary kelp music for free at Tiernanog starting at 9. And keep your ear to the ground for the mystery concert at Queen's behind Miller Hall, an all-ages event featuring, well, some big band to welcome students back to Queen's University. On September 9th, students can drop by CFRC's booth and visit many other campus and local organizations' booths at the Assis sidewalk sale running all day starting at 10.30 on University Avenue. We'll see you there. On September 9th as well, the empties in Charlie Houston are also playing at the mansion, $20 at the door starting at 8 o'clock, while Fist will be playing the overtime starting at 9.30. On the 9th as well, at 7 p.m., you can see the Shawshank Redemption for $19 at the outdoor movie series at the Kingston Penitentiary, a ticket that includes a visit to a feature area of the facility. Christopher Jackson will play some originals at Spearhead at 2 p.m. for free, and 9 p.m. Beers for Queers will be underway at Monty's as well on September 9th. And Hotel Wolf Island is also hosting a Ribfest special for students from 3.30 to 5.30 that day, where students can get a discount on their three-course Ribfest meal on their waterfront patio. And that night, folks can stick around Hotel Wolf Island for some classic rock by Steve Cheeseman and the heaters, starting at 7 o'clock. And on September 10th, check out the Cataraqui Indigenous Food and Art Market running between 10 to 3 on Sunday at Springer Market Square or visit the Memorial Centre Farmers Market at the Kingston Memorial Centre. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 7 32 princess street in kingston visit their new location and follow them on facebook to keep up to date with what's in YGK store at and hear I wear. more from
0: some of our guests be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the community radio fund of canada the local journalism initiative queen's university career services and what'll i wear at 732 princess street be sure to stay tuned for more cfrc programming coming up next